0: The Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm
1: Pastor Melissa,
0: and I'm Just Kiefer. And today on the podcast, we continue in this Linton series, hearing stories of wilderness.
1: And today's story comes from Charlie Blake. Charlie was a student of mine um, when I was the executive director at the Baylor Wesley. And Charlie is just one of those people that can tell a good story Mm. and see all these seemingly uh, disconnected strands and braid them together to connect. And oftentimes, as you'll hear in this story, he uses music to do that. Yes.
0: Very good.
2: Let's have a listen. If you're listening to this, I wanted to let you know that you and I, we're pretty spoiled. We live in the 21st century, unless you're listening to this in 2100, which I admit would be pretty cool. Have they restarted the Texas, Texas A&M game yet? I guess I'm getting off topic here. Today in your pocket, most likely a device, which can stream nearly every piece of music ever written for free, as long as you're willing to slog through those annoying Spotify ads and, well, you can afford the phone and the phone plan. You're probably using that device to listen to this very podcast. I bet you've got playlists for different times of day or if you're like me you just listen to random genres and let the algorithm you know the recommended stuff decide for you let's be clear though it's not just music you've got access to nearly the sum total of human knowledge you can fly yourself to new zealand or my studio apartment in austin using google maps and street view when the eclipse happened a few years ago You could actually watch that happen live over and over again all from your IKEA desk chair while you ate chips and green sauce HEB delivered to you that morning. And if you don't have HEB because you live in the DFW Metroplex, you can cry over video chat to your best friend. Except I've heard there's one in Claiborne, so I guess that counts. Near the end of Lent last year, I went with a Catholic friend of mine to a Tenebrae service for the first time in Austin at a church called St. Louis, King of France. Tenebrae is kind of a Holy Week preseason game, for lack of a better word. Over the course of the service, a series of candles is extinguished one by one until the place is in complete darkness. At the end, someone normally slams a large drum or closes a large book shut to create this booming sound effect that Seems to scare people every time. At the service, the choir sang a very famous piece called Mise Rere, re, Mei Deus by Allegri, or Have Mercy on Me, O God. The text is from Psalm 51, more on that in a second. One thing you should know about me is I'm a pretty cynical church musician. Everywhere I go, I have these preconceived ideas of what the music should sound like, and how it should be done, and who should be doing it. I've done it for so long as a kind of overly qualified volunteer that I've seen it all. I've heard good church music, great church music, plenty of mediocre church music, and maybe a few cases of the just plain bad stuff. I've really done as much as a volunteer could probably do by the age of 25. I've subbed for some folks on piano for services, done a few choir accompanist gigs, taze, praise band keyboard player, singing bass in the choir, improv piano, wrote some music, you name it. But for the last few years, I'll be honest with you, it hasn't been a huge priority for me. I haven't really touched my keyboard as much or written much new music. When the choir I'm a part of toured Italy one summer and sang at the Vatican with the Pope in attendance, I just decided I didn't want to go. I ended up accompanying a youth choir anyway and making it back to fill in for our organist who was gone in Italy, and I pulled some strings to get from Arkansas to Austin in one day to do that, but that's besides the point. Music has just not been a huge thing for me recently as it has been in the past, and maybe you find that depressing, but hold on because we're definitely going somewhere with this. So I'm at this tenebre service with 100-200 to 200 other people listening to the Mise Rere in a fairly dim light. Now the Mise Rere has a really insane history. Written in the 17th century by Gregorio Allegri, it kept a shroud of secrecy because for centuries it was exclusively sung by a select group at the Sistine Chapel. No one else had access to the music itself. In fact, some think that the church literally banned people from transcribing it or writing it down by ear. You would think, given that fact, that it would be this finely tuned, immutable object. But you'd be wrong. If you've ever seen a piece of music, this piece wasn't completely written out, like how you would see the Moonlight Sonata, each individual note on the page. Instead, it was really only a guide, closer to a jazz chart, really. It had notes written out, yes, but for parts of the piece, it was just blank. Imagine going to the Sistine Chapel and there's part of the wall where something should be, but it's just missing. The musicians were given liberty to alter that blank with what they saw fit. As new musicians came and went, they added their own ideas until the Mise Rere became what it is today. I'm about to play part of that for you, so if I'm able to do that, How did we actually get the Miserere out of the Sistine Chapel? The legend goes that a certain young pirate named Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was touring around with his dad and visited Rome. While at the Sistine Chapel service, Mozart heard the Miserere and transcribed it himself by memory later that day, all at the age of 14 and under threat of excommunication. After Mozart transcribed it, I'm not entirely sure how we got to the point we're at today. But the mise re re is a challenging piece to pull off. It's completely a cappella, which means it's only voices. It's a real slot, 12 minutes of heavy, heavy text. The soprano has a few highly exposed notes in the upper register that have to soar above the rest of the choir, completely in tune, with the most delicate touch or the effect just isn't there. To see what I mean, this is the choir of New College Oxford, conducted by Edward Hig- Higginbottom. Also, you should know... The higher parts in this recording aren't sung by women, but actually very, very, very talented young boys. After the service, I was so struck by the piece and how well done it was. I tracked down the choir director like some kind of crazed fan and thanked him for the music. I remember literally telling him it might have been one of the single best pieces of music I had ever heard, as in, not just the piece, but his choir singing it specifically. Every time I hear truly great music, I really struggle to define why it's great. Is it the harmony or the melody? Is it the musicians? Is it the atmosphere? Or am I just being manipulated to think it's great when it actually isn't? Have I just heard it too many times and now I'm desensitized? Am I going too easy on them? Have we just run out of new music to write? A step at the answer to that, to me, lies in one of the Lent stories. In Matthew 4, 8-10, through Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness during his 40-day fast, there's the stones, the red story, and asking Jesus to skydive off the temple, and then the story I really wanted to highlight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I think there's a tendency here for us to take Jesus and make him this abstract, academic concept, like you're reading about him in an English literature class. You know, what does Satan really mean by the kingdoms? Isn't this whole thing kind of like Israel wandering through the desert? So let's write you into the story. Again, the devil put a virtual reality headset on you, launched Google Earth, and showed you all the kingdoms of the world, all the places you could go all the sounds you could hear and all the people you could meet and all the food you could eat all of the stuff you could get from amazon prime all the shows you could watch you could be at every concert ever for free all the time no questions asked i'll give you all of this if you fall down and worship me i know i've thrown a lot at you how tech has spoiled us how i've gotten pretty cynical what makes music great jesus in the wilderness so let me attempt to put all of this together. My point is this, the thing that makes Mise Rere great isn't really the object itself. It's not the fact that I get to consume it, that the music goes in and out of me like some kind of digestive tract. It isn't really all about the harmony or melody really, though great musicians do understand how to use it. Every day they build on something together, we are all creating the great collective symphony we call music. They take, they steal like Mozart did, but in the end, they create something greater than the sum of its parts. They allow change to happen, while learning from those who have come before. Each new movement builds on top of the one that came before it, just like the Rere. The Rere could have died in the Sistine Chapel, but today it lives on. The reason I've become so cynical about music is because I've really lost sight of who God is calling me and calling us to be. My theory is this, Satan's gambit is a false choice. He offers all of the mountains of the world, but he doesn't offer you the chance to climb them. He offers you all of the kingdoms of the world, but he doesn't offer you the chance to build them. He offers endless consumption, but not endless creation. I believe God is inviting us to climb, to build, to create, because not only do we believe in him, but he believes in us.
1: all this when I asked Charlie to like speak that he's so good at like seeing these different pieces of his faith and of his life and then bringing it all together Mm. to um, see where the connection lies and um, I just loved as I like listened to it and there were even some pieces that he added in I was like oh and now we've jumped over here and now we jumped over here and then at the end he does what Charlie is so good at doing he brings it all together together. neatly and I loved it And I actually feel like I was like, Oh, Charlie, I want like two more minutes at the end. Like I wanted like (laughs) tell me just like a little bit more, even. But I I loved it and um, that's probably just a selfish longing because I think he mm. he tied it up so neatly yeah. that's that's where I falter mm. um Daniel I'll go ahead and put you in that same boat you and I sometimes like to circle that plane on our conclusions before Fair. we like take land. it into land right Charlie just we, landed We, we tour
0: the, <laughs> the skies above the airport a little bit that's and, right. and, then, and then land the plane yeah yeah uh-huh. No, it it is interesting. I loved his story and the ways, as you said, he interwove things. But I also felt like there were several moments in it in which I could identify with him and I could find my mm-hmm. my place in that story. Yeah. And because I was a before I was a pastor, I was a the overly qualified volunteer church musician. Yeah, right. And <laughs> and, and I think his naming of how he receives uh, worship services as a overly qualified cynical church musician. Yeah. Right. Um. Is also how I often receive them when I'm not in charge of them, right? Gotcha. As, as a yeah. like, it's sometimes it's hard to go to church as a pastor because you know how the sausage is made and you know <laughs> yes. where things. That's the best way to phrase that. <laughs> oh it <yeah>. really
3: is. <laughs> I, I get it too as a worship leader. Like he was talking about, like, the, did I was I manipulated to feel this way? You know, uh-huh. listening to this, and I that's a struggle that I have that I've probably mentioned before on the podcast too. Is like. As a worship leader, I don't want to just be like, because I know like all of the brainwave things that happen. Mm. Like that, it's it's not like, oh, that doesn't happen. Like it's it's science of like the the way the music is laid out and like meant to kind of take in. I don't want to be manipulative but I want to show up and worship and be honest so it's it's hard to yeah I was I was I was tracking with them too on yeah, that kind I of had stuff. a
0: worship leader one time tell me about the conference he'd been to where they told him about like the three chord progression I can't remember what the chord progression is <laughs> anymore but like if you wanted to take people to a place of deep emotion and and conviction and sadness you sort of walk them through this chord progression journey I'm like well then you've told me about this and now you are forbidden from ever doing that yes. <laughs> because we will not uh yeah. intentionally manipulate people and it's but, hard
3: because once you know you know yeah and you can't like you'll go oh there's that chord progression
1: yeah I'm, it's like I I'm like this song but this now, I, yeah. now <laughs> I can't play
0: this song because yeah.
1: I love this so much because when I asked Charlie like I was like I feel like part of the reason I'm asking Charlie, besides the fact that I know that he can tell a good story, is because I knew the two of you would be doing exactly what you're doing (laughs) right now, and it's pretty wonderful to watch play
3: out. And just to be just to be honest, the three chord progression is is the the chord progression of every all sons and daughters song. (laughs) Not not (laughs) them. I love all sons and daughters. I know
0: I like them. And there's a a reason why you love them. Yep, that's why. They've made your brain. Do they make you feel
3: a certain way?
1: Always. Always they make me feel a certain way. All the feels is gone. No, yeah. I still will love their music. Yeah. But I loved um I loved his like tie in of like you can go anywhere in Google, with Google Earth like you could yeah. hop down in all these places and how like something like our internet can tie to uh the devil in the wilderness with Jesus. Like I was like <laughs> this is so wonderful, yeah, but right. it's also so true. And like to me that was the um, beauty of of um, of Lent is that we can be offered through the distractions mm-hmm. of our life. Um, you know, fill in the blank on whatever those are. Um, we can distract ourselves to where we don't ever actually experience something real. Right. I actually was I'm listening to a book right now on Audible and and it uh, Trevor Noah lays out this idea that like if we were <laughs> oh, to gosh. just like um, If we were to add up all the scrolling that we do, all the like little articles we read on um, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Internet searches or whatever, like over the course of the year, you've read a lot of books if you've put all that Mm. together. But at the end of the year, if that's all you did, you didn't actually read a book. Right. And to me, that's what Charlie was hitting at. And I think it's so true of like. We can either act like we've done all these spiritual things Mm. and we can tick all these things off or we can actually allow the experience to impact us. We can allow the misery to get under our skin and hit our soul where we are.
0: Well, and the thing I loved is, you know, he began by, by laying out the Spotify, um, you know, you can listen to any music library in the world, right? Right. And and those, and he named the algorithms and the algorithms Mm -hmm. work Like we we know you've intentionally listened to these things and we know people who intentionally listen to these things also listen to these other things. So it kind of creates this world for you. And and he didn't, you know, as the cynical church musician, Mm -hmm. right, who from what he seemed to describe had primarily existed in Protestant circles, right? He didn't find that true, powerful presence music moment within the standard stuff produced by his algorithm, Right. right? Within the... It was in the I'm gonna to go to high holy pre-Lenten yes. Catholic mass and have this miserere that that Mozart stole but got credit for, um, and yeah, you know just
1: <laughs> which how great of a story is that? Oh, yeah, it's so just good, so wonderful. Really good.
0: Makes me like
3: Mozart even yeah. more than Amadeus <laughs> made me like Mozart the movie. <laughs> well,
0: and and I just love that is uh, as, as the intro to this as we prepare to hear the miseria he's like shout out to the little boys who are singing super high in the stratosphere yes. mm-hmm. with these perfectly round vowels and as i was listening to him like well dad gum oh uh, yeah. that's just a whole different level of good yes. um that is is powerful and amazing but it was outside of his standard comfort he yeah. went had to go to the wilderness right if is Spotify musically and its algorithms that produce what you like it is your perfectly manicured front yard. He had to go beyond the perfectly manicured front yard mm. to the wilderness. I know he lives in a studio apartment, so the <laughs> metaphor is not perfect. Um, it, it works. We'll take it. But he had to go to the wilderness to find the thing that truly spoke to his soul. And, yes. and that's part of the invitation of Lent, right? The 40 days are grounded in Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, right? This forty-day journey in the wilderness, right? Yeah. Um, as Charlie highlights for us, and, and you kind of have to go there in order to truly be fully receiving the the gift that you're given, right? Part of the invitation to fast, part of the invitation to intentional practice, is not to um, more deeply enforce your standard rhythm, but to break your rhythm so that you can enter into a new way of being. I love it. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I also have to just, you know, uh, Daniel, for your love of Baylor, for your love of uh, church music, uh, you were both in the men's choir at Baylor. I knew I liked Um, Charlie. (laughs) I also think you should know that you remember the TCU Baylor game where uh, Baylor won an overtime um, and it was 61-58 She's not talking about the one. Was yes. the fi- that There's final score one. that game? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will never uh, watch another yeah, TCU uh, Baylor game cuz our biggest fundraiser was always around that game and so like I just get I'm actually too much a little, anxiety built it, it, my anxiety is building thinking about it. Uh, so after we won that Charlie uh-huh. composed an organ piece. Um of how Baylor won and defeated the Horned Nice. Fox.
0: I feel like I need that, too. Like, can I get like a 30-second version of that that I can just send to people? post- just uh, occasionally. I both
3: yeah. love and hate that story. I don't know why I can't, I can't play that. I love that there was a composition on an organ for something like that. Yeah. Like That is great. But the fact that it was for... A football game mm-hmm. is the other, like, I can't, for some reason, these are two it, warring it, ideologies in my head.
1: <laughs> Sports and church music. <laughs> right. Um, Charlie also composed a song um, for Austin Avenue, um, which had burned down at one point, which, you know, we're a church that has that history. And he composed yeah. a beautiful piece of music um, that kind of went into a Linton space of mm. the burning of that church. Mm. But then the hope. Of the people gathered, of what would come from that. Um, So, Charlie's a fun and uh, yeah, fun guy. And his story of Lent, I think, is hopefully one that has met you with some joy, some fun tidbits, and also some ponderings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel.
1: I'm Pastor Melissa.
0: I'm
3: just Kiefer. And again, if this story and these stories of Lent that we've been hearing so far are speaking to you um, like they're speaking to us, then we invite you to copy the link, post it on Facebook, share it around, um, get other people to listen to to these stories because they really are wonderful, as you know, and as we've been talking about. And we just want as many people to listen to them and join in this conversation this Lent as possible.
0: And now that we have gathered together, I want to give you an invitation to grow. May your invitation to grow this week take you into the wilderness, take you beyond your standard rhythms, take you into this true season of life, outside of your algorithms, outside of your perfectly manicured life, and into the new thing that God is trying to do in you and in the community that surrounds you. May you be willing to take that daring first step into the unknown. At your invitation.
1: And now go receive this benediction for the wilderness. May you go encountering God and the things that pique your interest in your algorithms. May you go encountering Christ as the one inviting you to experience life and not just watch it scroll by on a screen. And may you go encountering the Holy Spirit as the one that shows up in the nudge, inviting you to step outside of the algorithms. May you go in peace. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.